Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Well, Mary, we're going to talk about my favorite and worst subject today. Okay, bring it on. <laughs> control. Yes. <sighs> Actually, we're going to talk about freedom from control. Yes. Let me say that again. Freedom from control. Yes. My teeth got caught on the word. Because, <laughs> <laughs> see, their resistance is so high oh, that even her teeth got into I it. No. <laughs> even my teeth are fighting back. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Mary, do you think you have control issues? <laughs> no. <laughs> whimpering and simpering. Okay, yes, I do. I know I do. I certainly do. Um, and I've grown a lot in this area. But I know I can also fool myself and justify my control to let myself off the hook. Well, I'd like to think of it as responsibility. I'm being responsible, <laughs> conscientious. Yes. I care I'm being, for others. I'm caring. I'm being a good mother, good yes. wife. Come on. I'm being a good citizen of the world. Abso- oh yes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm here to solve problems. That's right. I'm a superhero. <laughs> I'm actually go. a superhero. They should be doing movies about us. I think so. <laughs> Uh, you know, I can actually see how control is actually anxiety-inducing, mm. even though I <laughs> foolishly think that I have control over my anxiety if I control others and things. <laughs> my anxiety will be reduced. Well, do you know the thing is, you kind of do. This is the problem. I know. See, the reinforcing benefits of control are thinking you can control. I like to call it. Compulsive self-soothing. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do as your compulsive self-soothing in the area of control? Oh, I fix things for other people. You sure do. Yes. You you solve problems. I solve problems. I fix things. You anticipate possible problems even before they even occur. True. (laughs) I'm a future thinker. (laughs) You are. You're so visionary. (laughs) Yes. See how we can do this? Yes. See how we can take our control issues Mm. and package them into some kind of story Mm -hmm. that works for us. Listener, if you don't think you have any control issues, I think you're in denial. You are totally Because I denial. think everybody has control issues. It just looks very different. It does. And, you know, it's very interesting because I was coaching a one on the Enneagram the other week. Mm. And um, when we, and this particular person is very prone to worry, mm. very, very prone to worry. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I asked her, you know, what did you think about your Enneagram results when mm. she got a report? Mm-hmm. She uh, said an expletive, <laughs> and then she said, "Yeah, sums me up." Oh wow! And then she said, "Good for her for acknowledging that." But then she said, uh, "I'm so sad that this is the way I have lived Aww. so far to this point in my life." Oh, so this idea of worry, mm. which then works itself out in control, mm-hmm. um, is hampering her life yeah. and her relationship. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to talk about in. Her book, this woman, her name is Sharon Hoday Miller. Mm-hmm. She wrote a book called The Cost of Control. Yes. And it's an extremely vulnerable account. Yeah. I mean, it is raw. Yeah. She gets right down to bearing her soul. Yeah, well, because uh, she's also personally struggled with control. 
hugely. Yeah. And, you know, she she says, you know, we all wish we had more control Mm -hmm. when our relationships are strained, when our bodies refuse to cooperate, when the future is uncertain, Mm. which we've talked about. Yeah. Control promises security and peace. Yeah. That's the illusion. Mm. It is. Right? It promises this idea of security and peace. Mm. We think, if only I were in charge, Mm. if only I could do this Mm -hmm. for that other person. Right. We kind of dream. Well, I think, you know, telling people how to live their lives is like, (laughs) isn't that our entitlement? Of course. (laughs) At this point in our lives, it certainly is. No and this illusion yes. seems actually more attainable than ever. Yeah. So when we think, well, if I were in charge, if I could just share mm. my wisdom mm. with you, mm-hmm. if I could just show you the perfect way of doing that. Right. Right? Right. And then we have this idea of technology and science and medicine and the internet all promises. Yeah. All ever-increasing mastery over our world. Yeah. If you just do these five things. Right. If you just follow this 10 steps. hmm you know, you will have better mastery over your world. Yeah. So we fuel our brains Mm. and our desires for control with all this information that we have. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I know it, because again, anxiety is, as long as I can predict or I know it, then I don't have, I might be able to avoid that bad thing. Yeah, and for a a perfectionist is, if... Only you can do it my way. You will save yourself so much drama mm-hmm. and it will be right. Right. So when I'm trying to control you from a perfectionist standpoint, it's because I can see the way this would be beneficial for you and others. Right. Well, I control, I tend to try to control other people's feelings towards me. Mm. So if I, like, because I've said this before, I'm a social perfectionist. So if I can handle <laughs> every situation with absolute, like, total like amazingness then you'll never be mad at me never not like me I know it's so exhausting it's exhausting (laughs) well I realize like because I'm very uncomfortable when people are angry with me so when I'm trying to shut them down I'm actually literally trying to control their emotions it's so scary I know and you do it so well Oh, well, I don't know. Well, Apparently not. <laughs> if you've listened to any episodes from the recent past, Miss Jillian has been telling me I have all, all these tells when I know. I'm angry. Well, it's, you're becoming self-aware. What can I say? <laughs> so the problem of this control is it's like a devil's deal, she says. Mm. The more we seek it, the more it betrays us. Tell me more. You know, in a place of predictability, it gives us more anxiety. Hmm. In a place of certainty, it creates more complexity. Because if Uh, I'm trying to control you, uh, it's making our relationship very complex. uh I'm getting pushback from you. And then what am I doing? I'm stepping into even more control. Mm. And in the place of unity, it divides. Oh, that I would totally see. The complexity thing, I think also like to have certainty, you have to know as much as you can of all the details and research this and think through this and analyze this. And it does get very complex. It does. And she says it's not just that we cannot control things. It's that we break them even more when we try. And I think we can all think of relationships Mm. where when our control has been pushed on someone else, what's the outcome of that relationship? Yeah. Broken trust. Yeah. Broken security, mm-hmm. uh, broken relationship, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
And if we can't see our part in it, we just continue those patterns. And that's a thing is we can justify it, especially yeah. if we're a parent or a boss or a teacher or somebody in a position of authority. And yes, in the position of authority, there are certain things that you must be have some authority over. Yeah. But control is a whole other thing. Oh, it sure is. Yeah. So she says, thankfully, the answer to our craving for this control is not simply, you know, that catchphrase, let go and let God. <laughs> yeah. She says, when our kids aren't listening, when our loved ones are self-destructing, or when our health is declining, we don't have to scramble for control, which we typically do. Right. Nor do we have to throw up our hands. Right. That's the two extremes. Instead, God has given us this better control. So we're Better tool. Tool. You know, thank you. We're not grasping for control and we're not just throwing up our hands and kind of like, well, we just need to let go and see what happens. Mm. She says, um, and this is so good, she helps us discover the real power that God has given us Mm -hmm. to exercise influence over ourselves and our lives. Love it. So we were both introduced to this woman, Sharon Hode Miller, and her book through another podcast by Carrie Newhoff. Mm -hmm. And this woman is, you know, she's a learned woman. She has her PhD in Women in Calling, Mm. and she's a pastor at a church in North Carolina called Mm -hmm. Bright City Church. The, (laughs) The author says... That if you'd asked her a few years ago if she was a controller, she would have denied that it was ever an issue for her. Right. You know, during the pandemic, she says that she discovered Mm. that if you'd asked her about control, Mm -hmm. um, that as everything was shutting down, she noticed how people were being spiritually formed. And she was grasping for control because she was kind of worried about how the people in her church were doing and were they coming back to church mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how they were going to get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. And she realized when she was doing that, that what she was trying to do is tell people what to do. Right. And, so, and as a pastor, you would feel like that's your responsibility. Right. Yeah. And even when she was grasping for control, what she realized was what she was really thirsty for was more knowledge about how to control people. Oh. Like if I can just give them more reports yeah. and tell them the 12 ways we've reached out to other experts mm-hmm. and give them all the data, mm-hmm. then surely mm-hmm. they will just believe us mm-hmm. and fall into the patterns that we want them to fall into. Right. Which is a weird way of thinking about control. Yeah. Well, but, no, I don't know how you know, weird If I could just is. convince you. Yeah. It's true. It's a lot, especially if you are a speaker, if yep. you're persuasive, if that's part of your job. Yeah. I, I have to say, I, I'm resonating with her because I tend to use my words a lot. And then uh, either people's eyes glaze over or they compl- they nod because they right. want to make me happy. I mean, you've uh, at times looked at me blankly and kind of <laughs> go, I don't know where you're going with this. But to me... As I'm trying to orchestrate how you should live your life, it all made sense to me. Of course. And if you could just listen to all my knowledge, all the books I've read and (laughs) all the experts I've leaned into. Yes. So she says there's this deep tolerance for uncertainty, unpredictability, and a huge idolatry of control. And I think we're seeing that played out in the world stage right now. Yeah, I agree. This idea that, you know... I can just buy a company mm-hmm. and control things. <laughs> yes. Control like the political the narrative. theater. Mm-hmm. Control, you know, the news. Mm-hmm. Control everything. Mm-hmm. It's a deep 
It's a huge idolatry of control. Mm -hmm. She goes on to say that the best teaching for her comes out of her own struggle with her own issues. Mm -hmm. So she turned turned the focus inward, which we should all do, yeah. and discovered that she had a major issue with control. Mm. But the reason she doesn't acknowledge it is because she's so good at it. Yes. Yes. So... Listeners, and especially if it's not always that direct, as in you're yes. you're you're harshly telling people what to do, right? Yeah, like if you're a two on the spectrum oh, of enneagram yeah. and you're a compassionate helper, yeah, like it shows up as compassion and care and caring for others and their feelings. I know, and yet there's huge control issues beyond that. Totally, right? Totally, that come probably from self protection. Mm-hmm. And as an eight, mm -hmm. my control issues are all about mm -hmm. self-protection. Yeah. So, listeners, mm. what ways are you trying to control things? Mm. Yeah. A lot of you would say you don't. Mm -hmm. Well, ask the people around you. <laughs> That's something else. So, how do you control things? You know, I think... Uh, one thing I want to sort of reflect on as I was listening to you, you know, this whole thing about knowledge and then also telling people things. Um, certainly as a parent, I would feel like I'm supposed to. Um, and also as a friend, I am supposed to speak truth. And so it's up to me to convince you that your idea is wrong or you're heading down the wrong mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that actually gets received well, because ultimately self-efficacy, or she uses the word agency, which That's we're right. going to talk about in the next episode, uh, is what comes from within the person yeah. and the choices that they choose to make. And so you can model life decisions and yep. wisdom and all that, but like telling people, especially when they actually already know what you think about things, is not helpful. No, but I not. think many of us are caught in that trap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, think about the ways that you are really good getting your way through control. Is it through manipulation? Mm -hmm. Is it through perfectionism? Mm. Is it through playing the victim? Mm. What about feigning helplessness? <sighs> And it works for you, and you get so good at it that you don't even know you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you know, if you're called on it, you go, well, I'm just trying to help. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to, you know, oh, uh, love you through this. Right? I think when people don't react well to that action, that you, you got to, you know, make, a lot of times it could be their issues, and you're triggering their issues. I'm not questioning that. But, yeah. you know, like a word given at the right time is when the best when the person's heart is actually open. Yeah. And I remember my mom used to <laughs> drove me nuts because she would say to me, um, uh, I talked to her about a situation I was going through and she'd say, I had that insight um, a couple of years ago, but I didn't tell you because I knew you weren't ready to hear. Or she would say, the Lord didn't give me permission to mm. tell you. Ugh. I know. And like, I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Because you wouldn't have listened. And that is true. So like, it, it is not that we shouldn't speak truth to others, but it is like pearls to swine if the person's not ready to hear it. Or you don't have that relationship of trust. Like that's for me right. to go to a stranger and tell them how to live their lives, that's just arrogant of me. It and is. they're not going to get anything from that because I'm just mouthing off. Yep. Right. And, you know, she she says that. Um, which I, I think is so good. She says that 
her underlying need for control was her relationship with this knowledge and information, Mm -hmm. where she was running to more knowledge, more information, and expecting it to give her power and influence over the people that she was leading. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so like, when you look at, when you look at people that we followed, right? Yeah. Who have led us. Mm -hmm. If they just sound smarter mm-hmm. and more knowledgeable and more researched, mm-hmm. then we can easily buy into the thing that they're trying to control us about. Well, listen, like here we are doing this podcast and just by virtue of being out in the airwaves, we have a responsibility of what we say. Absolutely. Because it, it people will give us a certain level of authority just by virtue of the fact they're on the airwaves. Yeah. So if you are in a position of spiritual leadership, even more so. Like That's it's right. just so much like thoughts of how our desire for control mm-hmm. actually can lead people astray. Oh, and we see it. We see it played out. Yeah. She does this long meditation on Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you to, you know, either get her book or listen to that podcast that she's on with Carrie Newhoff. And she talks about the moment where Adam and Eve reached for more knowledge, Mm. more power, Mm -hmm. essentially control in this moment that God has not given them. Mm. And just the fallout of that. And we know the story. Um, So she's saying that every time we look for control to empower us or to soothe our anxieties, we're just Mm. reenacting that moment again and again and again in a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of different ways we exert control. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the takeaways that I received from this mm-hmm. is that how do I fool myself mm. about my control issues? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the thing is you have actually have a really good self-awareness that control is one of your issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how it's played out day to day that's harder to track. Of course. And it's subtle. It's so subtle. Because, you know, I think we've gotten to the point where we have enough self-awareness that we're able to avoid the big obvious <laughs> ones. <laughs> stay away from people. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But it's the subtleties of how we do control. And I think that um, if, you know, we can all admit that we all have some level of control issues yeah. and think about how does it show up behaviorally? Yes. How does it show up in um, uh, the way I talk to others? Yeah. And what are the underlying fears? So uh, as an example, for me, the fear of losing relationship is one of my big fears. So I often will control how the relationship goes as in, like I said, I, I'm going to try to handle it perfectly so I don't lose that relationship or that yeah. connection. So think about what are you afraid of losing or yes. what are your fear triggers? Yes. And I'm pretty sure you're going to see some control behaviors out of that. Yeah. And I I mean, she admits, she's an Enneagram 8. She admits that even when she thought she was being gentle and quiet, mm-hmm that others interpreted her as forceful and yelling. And that has actually been my experience, too. Yes. And plus, I've got a big voice, Mm -hmm. so I'm always aware of how that's coming across. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if you're eight in your position of leadership, the mantle of authority you carry is beyond what you can even think or imagine. It's huge. So you do automatically intimidate people and automatically already have a, a sway in how people choose to act or or respond. So we have asked this question and we asked it before is, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Mm. Like maybe we're, we're okay to say to somebody that's close to us, how do, how do I exhibit control? 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure Peter can tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can tell him his stuff, too. That is true. (laughs) Of course, he doesn't think he's controlling. No, well, like... Some of us are aware that we are. Yes. And then a lot of us are not aware that we are. Right. But we can spot it so well in other people. Yes. So this goes yes. back to the whole idea of blind spots, yes. right? Yes. Where a blind spot is so obvious to others, but oblivious to me. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how have you seen um, how have you seen some control played out in some of the different Enneagram numbers? Like let's pick a three. Um well, threes, uh, they really want to avoid failure, and they uh, really, really ultimately care what people think about them, although yeah. they like to pretend like they don't. So where they control is by knocking out of the park every single time. Yeah. And even if it means working long hours, even if it means taking on tasks that they know they shouldn't because they're already so busy, Yeah. just so that they can still have this ongoing self-image that I am like a productive, competent, successful person. Yeah, and I would think that, like we've talked about a few of the numbers, but what about an Enneagram 4? Because I would think that a lot of Enneagram 4s would not necessarily think that they're controlling. Well, um, 4s can be moody, Mm -hmm. and they can inadvertently control through their moods. Right. Yeah, so... um, they don't hide their feelings as well as they may think they are because they are a withdrawn stance. Right. And so when you can tell they're in a, you know, dark place, it can pull you into that. Yeah. And then they can inadvertently get the care that they should be directly asking for, but they're doing it through their moodiness. Right. So that's kind of manipulation. It, it can feel manipulative. Yeah. And what about a nine? So I, I, I'm going to, I mean, I live with a nine, so <laughs> I can answer <laughs> this one. <laughs> Do you want to? No, you go ahead. Okay. Um, well, nines, they have this cheerful, uh, external, um, easygoing mannerism, but actually can be deeply stubborn. So they maintain control by internally going, well, I'm not gonna. And so they don't. So uh, they, bingo, bingo, they, they will resist, but not necessarily outwardly. Right. They'll just go and do whatever they were planning to do anyway. It is so subtle, yes. but it's so loud. It is so loud. And they don't think they're being loud. I know. They're totally loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So these are just some of the ways that control shows up subtly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Susan B. Haas's book, the book that we just talked about in Resilience, one of the things that she says mm. is uh, never asking or receiving help Yeah, is a way of control. Oh, yep. That hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, ouch. Like if we just think we can do it all on our own and we don't need help or we're too proud, because it's usually pride, mm. that makes us resist others' help, mm-hmm. that that is actually control too. Mm-hmm. Well, it can also be a lack of trust. Yes. Like, if I don't, it won't. Right. So I can't trust other people to do it as well as I can. Well, that's also perfectionism, too. Well, there's an anxiety behind it. There's yeah. a, a, a worry that it's going to go poorly if I don't do it, if I don't control it. Yeah. So some of the ways that um, we can control people without even knowing it, ingratiating behavior. Mm-hmm. So being nice to others to create a sense hey. of obligation. <laughs> hey, I'm not poking you. Okay. The silent treatment. Oh, yes. Uh, this control functions to keep others in suspense yep. and unaware of what they did wrong. Oh, that's a big weapon, man. Mm. 
asking questions to stay in control of a conversation. Oh, I do that. asking questions you already know the answer to. Um, that's a kind of a, I've got more knowledge than you. Oh, no. Let's that's, see if you can keep up. I ask questions to divert focus away from me. So if yeah. somebody's asking me how I'm doing and I'm uncomfortable saying it, I'm going to flip it of back course. to, well, how are you doing? How can I help you? But it could also be like you could ask me questions to put another person in a bad light because they don't maybe have the knowledge or an embarrassing situation. So it's kind of passive aggressive. Yes. Yeah. And then changing the subject for other people. Oh, yes. <laughs> We've all seen this one play out. You know, you're at the dinner table, you're having a conversation. Maybe it's getting a little bit, you know, not heated, but maybe a little contentious because people hold different views. Right. And you step in and change the course of the conversation because That's you're right. uncomfortable That's with it. That's right. Yep. Constantly correcting. Mm. So this can be grammar or facts or interpretations of events. Mm-hmm. And walkless talk, expecting of others what I don't live up to. How is that controlling? Because you want to control their behaviors oh, when you're not actually gotcha. like living it out yourself. Okay, so you're all preaching on them. Yeah, but this you're not is kind living. of the double standard on yeah. social norms. The expression, you know, don't do as I do, do as I right, say. Right, right. Um, you know, if I'm reminding myself not, uh, reminding a child not to be selfish, mm. but I don't demonstrate generosity and selflessness, then yes. I'm not walking the talk. Right. Well, yes, for sure. Or I'm demanding respect from my kids, but I don't treat them with respect. Right. Yeah. So here's some coaching tips. Go for it. Ask how I try to control others. So go to a trusted friend, mm. say to them, please tell me how I try and control others or my environment, etc." In what areas or relationships am I feeling? Oh, I like that one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to figure out how I control others, but I want to think about how I feel controlled. But I have to say, even with that question, in what areas, relationships am I feeling controlled? There's an internal thing that's happening where I put myself in those situations Mm. to let myself be controlled by others. And then I blame them. Talk about subtle on that one, eh? <laughs> yeah. Because it's not my fault. Oh, man. Right? Okay. Well, that that's a, that <laughs> deserves another podcast episode right there. Right. And just, again, ask a trusted friend, mm. like, you know, what is your experience with me in control? Because, you Are know, you when, asking me? Yeah, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll do that offline. <laughs> I know how she does There she, she, look, she just took control of the conversation right there. I know. <laughs> this is my podcast. Is it, so, it is. Okay, okay, go. Okay, so to finish off, we do this, we return to this exercise over and over and over again because it's so good. Mm. So make a list of everything you try to manage or control for yourself or others, mm. and then take a piece of paper and draw a circle on that piece of paper, mm. and only move into the circle the things that you actually have the power to control yourself. Mm. Remember, this is the internal versus external locus of control. Mm -hmm. And we've spoken about this many times, but it's a very powerful exercise because anything that doesn't make it into that circle is an area that you're trying to exert control over. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, like, pay attention. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, do a little bit of a, you know, review of the day. In what areas have I try to take over control because it's so habitual. Oh, it's so hard to see it, let alone break the pattern. Yes. I'm, my tongue gets pretty bloody a lot of times. I mean, the number of times I have to bite it, you know? Yeah. 
So anyway, well, that was really good. A little bit uh, disconcerting. Well, there I'm using big words to try to... <laughs> I know, to deflect the conversation. Exactly. <laughs> but next, uh, tune in to next episode, because we're going to talk about uh, moving from control to agency. Oh, I love that. Because that's the good news. Yes, <laughs> so good we news. do have agency. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Take have a care. great week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.